Today is February 26th, 2017. The title of today's sermon is Be Done With It. Amen. Be Done With It. Uh, so uh, from the Vincents, I'd like to say Salamat Siang to everyone. Uh, good morning to you and welcome from Indonesia. Uh, I have my authentic batik on. I was trying to catch up with you, Curtis. I was thinking about you. I got another one that I may wear that was more uh, Curtis-worthy, but I, I had to go with this one today. So these are, these are batiks. They're uh, an original Indonesian print. Uh, it's something about the way that they make them. They have wax, and they'll dye them one color, and then they dye them again and again and again. It's a, it's an over, um, it's a very long process that they do. They make these by hand. And so we had to go to, like, Omar the tent maker to, to, get, to get the size for the Americans. Um, we, we really had to, we were like, let's just start with the biggest size that you have in the store. No, okay, we'll have to go find another store. No, we, uh, we actually had a great time with the Vincents. Um, we've got a few pictures and things I'd like to show you, just that we'll flip through here uh, as they come up. But the Vincents are doing extremely well. This is uh, the first night that we were there. Uh, we went in and got a prayer meeting. We're just all sitting around, about 30 folks there, sitting around. The immediate thing that we noticed was you can feel the same presence of the Lord that we have here was there at Agape Church in Jogjakarta, Indonesia. And uh, so the visits are there. You can go to the next slide. I'll just kind of talk through this. These are, these are us. That's, that's my other batik, by the way. I didn't want to compete with you this morning. I didn't know what you were wearing, Curtis. So uh, uh, this, is the, this is the Sunday morning service with, uh, with Steve that was speaking. And then uh, Pastor Eric there over to the left is a lady named Tootie, who was our English, uh, our interpreter for at least part of it. Uh, there's Steve preaching on Sunday morning. Steve gave a great word on the promises of God, the Janji Tuhan, the promises of God that were uh, apparent for everyone. Actually, go back to that, the previous slide. Uh, so we start praying for folks there, and uh, that Saturday night service, uh, the Sunday morning service, people start getting filled with the Holy Spirit, people start getting uh, changed, they start getting saved. Uh, I, la- I had the privilege of laying my hands on a, on, a, on a lady who came forward to get prayed for, I grabbed her by the shoulders, and started praying for her, and we didn't have an interpreter at all times, so you're just like, okay, Lord, you got to tell me what she needs, and then if I'm supposed to say something to her, you just got to interpret this for me. You ready? So laid my hands on her, started praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh, a demon shrieks, comes out of her, and she collapses to the floor. And you're like, that's what you get. All right. <laughs> that's right. That's right that's what happened. That's exactly what I was thinking. I had no idea. Amen. It was, that's the great part about what we do is that these signs follow those who believe. This is not something special that goes on uh, only in, in other parts of the world. I was thinking about it while we were on this trip, and I said, you know, um, back when I've been to other churches, we'd take a youth group, and we'd go to camp, you know, that summer camp, and everybody have a great camp experience. Or we'd go on a mission trip, and we were expecting exciting and unique things to happen on a mission trip, like this woman who had demons cast out of her, or people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And I really thought about it on this trip. The services that we were there uh, with the Vincents at Agape Church were incredible. They were absolutely incredible. You guys would be so proud of the Vincents, of everything that they are doing there. And you know what I thought of? This is incredible. And this is, uh, this is a normal LCM kind of service. 
I was like, oh, yeah, man, that's, that's, that's good when you're going, this is the most incredible thing I've been in since yesterday. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a joy, man, I'm telling you. Uh, Steve just brought the fire. Uh, next one, uh, Pastor Eric there. The interpreter beside him is a guy by the name of Geary. If you've talked to the Vincents, uh, then you've heard the name Geary. Geary is an absolutely chosen, anointed young man of the Lord. He is learning to interpret uh, he is actually their best interpreter there at the church. Uh, the church hasn't been doing that for very long, and Geary does a great job. Uh, just you can go through the slides here. There he is up close. He's, uh, Geary does more than just translate for you. He actually get, he's got a little preach on him. And so it's kind of fun because we're like, look, if you need to fix what we're saying so they understand it, bruh, fix it. If, if we say something that's too Americanized and they won't get it, just fix it. Okay, and he did. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> We're like, amen. Um, this is one of the nights they actually rented an, a hall there in, uh, in the city part of Joji. Um, and so we were talking about being anointed on your right earlobe, your right thumb, and the right big toe. And so I was getting some help from the audience that night to help me uh, in case anything was lost in translation. We'd at least see the picture. And uh, the Lord was really faithful and moved through that service. Um, this is the pa- these are the pastors of the church. This is Pastor Sukumdi, um, and then his wife Olene. This is pretty amazing. So, uh, in all of Indonesia, there's probably only a few hundred believers. Uh, in all of Jakarta, there's probably only a few hundred believers. Indonesia is a country of about 250 million, and only uh, according to some statistics, it's about 97 to 98 percent Muslim. So, and in Joja, uh, it's, it's, it's at least those percentages, if not higher, uh, Muslim population. So, Pastor Sukumdi and his wife, Olene, are a precious couple that the Vincents have found. They are working and serving in this church. Uh, Pastor Sukumdi has asked uh, Brent to teach on evangelism. So, here's what's happening with the church, uh, the small church that is there in Indonesia. Um, they have the kind of circumstances that, it, that tell them that if they're too loud in a service, they're kind of in a neighborhood, in a community, and if they're too loud in the service, they're worried about having their Muslim neighbor call the authorities, and they won't just come and shut down that service, they'll come and shut down the church. So there's a constant force that's working against them, just don't be too loud, don't be too much, just calm down with your little religion there, we know that you're there, but we're going we're gonna to ignore it because you're helping the kids during the week. We're going to ignore it a little bit because you're actually doing good for us. But the second that you get out of line, we're going to crush you. There's this constant thing that's there. And these pastors have been there for about 25 years serving in that community. So it's an incredible, incredible thing. Next slide. Uh, these are some folks that are just crying out to the Lord. I love the, the young lady there uh, right here in the middle, just crying out to the Lord. This, this was typical. Um, this, the church there is uh, largely populated by college kids. Um, Joe Jakarta is a, they have about a hundred universities in that city. So people come from all of Indonesia to Joe Jakarta to get educated in whatever and then go back. It's almost like God has a strategic plan for the Vincents to be there. To be able to influence not only the locals there, but those who will go out and reach their islands, their communities, their nations as they expand back out. Um, is that all of them, Joy? Um, so, so in addition to great church services that we had, this is Teresa talking to uh, Ibuani. Um, Ibu would be, it's uh, like saying Miss Ibuani. Um, she was someone that comes by and helps the Vincents, uh, helps them with 
some shopping as they're getting to know it. By the way, the Vincents are doing fantastic in language. They've only been there four months. They've had one short language class, and they will go out with you somewhere, and they'll start talking to people, and you're like, Brent, that doesn't sound like Cajun, man. What's going on? He's like, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, Cajun trying to speak Bahasa, Indonesian. And uh, it's, it, they're doing great. Um, this is Teresa. Actually, this is in their house. Ibuani was there. And uh, I snuck a picture while they were talking because Ibuani is sharing with her, uh, her husband, the best that I could get from the interpretation, was that her husband just it was, putting, was doing away with her, telling her to go marry another man and be his second wife. You ready to biblically counsel somebody on that one or not? So this is what Teresa is doing. She's sitting here talking to her, getting the story, and ministering in their own home. Uh, there was another time that we were there after Pastor Eric and Elder Steve had left. They got invited to the next door neighbor. Uh, to We didn't know what it was. They were tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Okay, we'll be there. It was a birthday party for a little two-year-old girl. And so we kind of, we all showed up like, here we are. Cool, it's a kid's birthday party. <laughs> and, uh, but the mom of the little two-year-old, the two-year-old's name was uh, Kira. And the mom, her name is Brienne, and her husband, Aldi, right there in the neighborhood, right next door to them. And uh, Brienne grew up in Syracuse, New York, speaks better English than any of us do. And uh, we were able to, they were able to start a relationship there. So not only are things happening in services, they're happening in the neighborhood, they're happening in their home. They're getting to know people. The Lord's causing ministry to come about in every way. Uh, we rented some motor scooters, some motorcycles, and went out. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. And uh, we went out, and, you know, of course, we had our helmets on all the time, just like we should. And, uh, but as we were riding out in the rural areas, we'd, we'd just stop and, and start waving at people. And you could see the warmth of the people that were there. Um, the mission is incredibly powerful that they're on. And the power of Islam is a dark, demonic force. And when you start talking to individuals, you see how God is choosing one. You see how God is bringing those who are soft-hearted to him. And we would literally stop by. We'd be driving someone's home on a little dirt path. We'd stop. We'd wave at them and, Hello. And we'd just start talking to him as best we could with Brent or Geary interpreting for us. And you'd start finding, we're like, Brent, this is, this is an incredible place. As we start visiting as a church, you guys are going to find incredible kind of work. There'll be some different kind of work that we'll be able to do with them in the future, some pioneering work. We'll be go out into the, into the different places and bring the gospel to where it hasn't, it hasn't ever been. We'll be able to do some city outreaches. There's a lot of things that are going on there. And so I just want to, you guys should be proud of what's going on in Indonesia. I can't wait. Amen. This was up, us up on a mountainside, uh, the volcanic um, mountain of Merapi. Uh, we're, right, Merapi. we're right there. And this was us probably about, uh, you can't really tell behind us, is about a 500-foot drop-off. It just looks like a grassy little area. There's about a 500-foot drop-off right behind us. This is Geary, the interpreter. And um, do we have this? I don't, even know what, I don't even know what else we have here. This is a picture from the uh, Vincent's living room. Uh, it's a picture of Indonesia that shows the different islands that are involved in the nation of Indonesia. You have Sumatra. You have Sulawesi. You have uh, Java. You have 
uh, Kalimantan, and then you have Papua. And so these, these are the main different islands there. I was thinking about Chris Reusora. I know Chris did some growing up in Indonesia and the Philippines, right in this area of the world. So uh, we're gonna, we'll have to take him with us next time. Uh, his people, you know, not nearly as good looking as Chris, but you know, you can tell, like, hey man, we are family. So, um, so make sure that you're praying for the Vincents. Uh, they are doing some great things. I just want to encourage you in this. I just wanted to give you a quick uh, catch up on what's going on there. I, you should be proud of this church. Amen. You should be proud of this church. That what's going on here, that the Lord is allowing us to build this based on the right standard. Amen. That the way that things that we're teaching, it works. You know why? Because the Vincers are doing exactly what we do here and they're doing it there. They're bringing Geary and Feta and friends into the home so that they can study the Word of God together. They're talking about who can move in with them as a family so that they can have a direct discipleship impact on the people there. This is what we do. They're opening their Word at every time that they can so that people can see the truth of the Gospel. They're going out and asking the Lord for signs and wonders and miracles to testify that the Word that they're speaking is from the heavens. And you know what happens? All of that happens. You know what's going to happen for our team in Turkey? All of that's going to happen. I want to brag on them for a second. Joy, can you put um, on the screen, can you put Luke um, chapter 22, verse 35? We're going to get into the word here in a second, but I think it's important that we kind of recap some of these things. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? When Jesus sent them, it was in Luke chapter 10, and he said, hey, I want you to go, but I don't want you to take anything with you. Don't take any extra clothes. Don't take money. Don't take anything. Just go. I am proud to tell you that the, uh, the men on this trip who left last night decided that they were going to look into Luke 10 and see that they did not need to bring any extra clothes or any money or anything other than their Bibles, some toiletries, and a backpack. They just hopped on a plane with the clothes they have on their back, and they're just saying, Lord, we see it in your word that this is the way that you say for us to do it, so we're going to go and do it. Wow. That's pretty exciting. Because you know what? The Lord is going to meet them. Look at the next verse here. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it. There are times when the Lord says, don't take a purse with you. Don't take any extra provision. You know why? Because you're going to go find the man of peace. And what you need to do is empty, be emptied of yourself and your resources. That means if you need to, you don't have enough money to go get a hotel in the middle of Turkey, in Antakya. That means you're going to have to go sleep outside in town square somewhere. But you know what? Because you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position, you're going to allow your need to be seen and the man of peace, you'll be able to find that person. Amen. What are you doing? You're Americans. What you, this is not safe. What are you doing? Well, let me tell you what we're doing. Let me explain to you what we're doing. And by the way, we've got, we've got a whole uh, issues of language here, don't we? You just wait. I'm telling you all this ahead of time to, so that you know, so that you can be praying for this team. Guys, they're literally putting everything they have out there and going, here we are. We feel like the Lord has spoken and we're going to show our faith and God's going to respond. That's the way that this thing works. Amen. We have the Brassos who are going to be doing the same thing coming up for Peru. We have, in, we have ministries in India. 
there. The team is ministering in Romania. The ladies are staying behind in Romania ministering there. Pastor Eric just left a few hours ago from Romania to head to Istanbul. Guys, we have people all over the world that are doing incredible works for the Lord. This is, uh, this is something special. And the Lord hasn't forgotten us here either. Lord's moving greatly. Chris Reusora, his ministry, the Lighthouse ministry, found all the right licensing and all those things have now been cleared so that they can actually start taking kids. Is that correct? Come on, man. This is incredible. What we have here actually works because we build it on exactly what the Word of God says. I think we're just as powerful when we're moving somebody having a whole team of people move somebody in like 25 minutes. I don't find that to be any less effective than what the Vincents are doing in Indonesia because it's all part of the right plan that God has laid out. Let me encourage you. Wherever you think that the Lord is going to send you, whatever you think that the Lord is going to do with you, uh, be encouraged that you're in a good place for training if you will commit yourselves fully to it. Amen? As I was, uh, got back from, from Indonesia on Friday, I think, my days are a little bit blurry right now, I think it was Friday, as I was trying to get to sleep on Friday, I, I was thinking about something and the Lord, I feel like, spoke to my heart about for us to pour out our heart, for us to pour out our heart. As I was looking at, if you'll turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, you guys blessed by that summary there? Some incredible things going on. Incredible. Some of you guys are going to want to visit them in the days and the months and the years to come, and you are going to be blessed beyond belief. You're going to realize how different it feels and how exactly the same it feels as being here. That's going to be a a fantastic part. It's time for us to pour out our heart before the Lord, to really, really pour out our heart. As you start looking at that word, to pour... It starts off in Genesis 9. It talks about shedding innocent blood. When you, when you shed or pour out innocent blood. In Isaiah 59, it says the same thing, that people are swift to shed innocent blood. In Leviticus 4, it talks about how that you pour blood out on many, many sacrifices. That's how you're supposed to pour these things out. Pouring has this indication of either emptiness. The definition of pour is either emptiness. The second definition is when you pour out libations. I think you guys heard a sermon on wasted libations last Sunday from Nick. Powerful word. Or to pour forth something or to melt it. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, let's look at as we pour, how we are to pour things out. Verse 12, it says this. This is Hannah. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Verse 15, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Have you guys ever been at a point where you just needed to, you felt like you were just pouring out your soul to the Lord? If you haven't, then you really haven't been in Christianity long enough. Or you haven't been at that just that desperation where you have a, such a want, such a desire in your life that you're like, yeah, I, I don't know where else to go. I'm literally going to pour out everything that I have to the Lord. I don't have anything left. Uh, I've cried until I have no more tears left to cry. I, my voice is hoarse because I can't pray anymore. 
I'm exhausted from the fact that I've just been pouring out everything that I have to the Lord. Anybody ever felt that way before? You ever been in that kind of a situation? Anybody in that situation now? You're reaching out to the Lord for something? There are things that you want to conquer. There are things that you have to get through. And it's just, it's hard to explain it, isn't it? Hey, what's wrong with you? How are you doing? You doing okay, Ella? Yeah. Because I really, if I, if I start to tell you what's going to happen, I may not be able to stop the waterworks that will come from that. I may not be able to stop the, the torrent that will come forth. If I actually am honest with you right now, if I actually pour out my heart, then you may not like what comes out. And I may not like what comes out. But this is what happens, well, this is what Hannah was doing. She's like, look, you can accuse me of whatever you'd like to accuse me of, but please understand, I'm not drunk. <laughs> it may look that way to you because I'm just pouring out everything that I have to the Lord. I want to encourage you today, as we get started with the, with the sermon part of this, you have to get in the practice of pouring yourself out before the Lord. You have to get in the habit of going to the Lord and saying, yeah, you know what, I'm tired of leaving things in reserve. I need to pour everything out to you because this is what you require of me. This is exactly what must be done. Turn to Psalm chapter 42. Psalm 42 and verse 4. Say there when you're there. Actually, let's start in verse 1. 42 verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. How are you doing on panting for the Lord? That's a weird way to say that, isn't it? What does panting imply? Panting implies an exhaustion that's there. We had... uh, we were trying to catch a flight from Jakarta, our final flight to get to Indonesia, and Pastor Eric and Elder Steve and I missed the flight. So we are trying to hoof it through an airport that we've never been in to a gate that we can't find in another building that seems to be off-site somewhere. And we're, we're, we are going. Got all, all, of our, all of our clothes, that we have everything that we have on the trip on our backs, trying to hustle through having to stop through uh, three different security stops. We're like, guys, you're killing us. Like, can we get through this? We finally get up to the gate, and they all look at us. We're like, hey, we're here for the flight, and they're afraid. They look at us, and they're like, yeah, that, that plane took off 15 minutes ago. Awesome. Nice. Got there panting, just <sighs> sweat dripping from us, right? We had gone so far. As the deer pants for streams of water... My soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. Huh. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? Doesn't it help? Don't, don't your friends help really help out sometime when you're in these kind of situations? Well, brother, all you have to do is pray. Thank you, dear, insightful friend of mine. Where is your God? Uh, (laughs) These things I remember. I remember the panting and the tears and thirsting for the Lord. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. 
How I used to go up with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God. I remember the good old days. I remember how things used to be with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I am not a person who tends to get downcast very often. But I have to be honest with you. I have prayed these prayers sometimes. I have thought these very scriptures. Lord, why am I so downcast? This is difficult. There's a heavy burden. I can't get rid of it. It's, it's just there. It's kind of sitting on me. It's like it's sitting on my chest. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Turn to Psalm chapter 142. 142. And we'll start in verse 1. It says this, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before Him. Before Him I tell my trouble. Now this is not... We, we pour out our complaints to the Lord, don't we? Lord, did you see what they did to me? Lord, have you seen this? I mean, are you paying attention to this, Lord? This is what, these are the way you're supposed to complain. You're, you're supposed to bring your thoughts purely to the Lord. When we complain to each other, we get problems, Right? You don't need to complain to each other. I, I did that on the plane ride coming back. And I had to apologize to my wife. We, we had, I had flown all night. We got in, I got in from Tokyo. Cool, cool thing. I, I left at 11 a.m. Friday morning from Tokyo. I got to Dallas at 8 a.m. Friday morning. Went back in time. <laughs> yeah, I did. We're getting there and we had delay after delay after delay after delay for the final one hour flight from Dallas to Houston. I had traveled 11 and a half thousand miles to get home. And I'm like, bruh, bruh. Somebody needs to drive me to Houston or something. Like if we keep doing this, right? I sent a text to my wife and it was kind of like, that those weren't the actual words. But I might as well have said that, <laughs> right? Because there was no, there, it was just, blech. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Everything is fantastic. This has been a wonderful trip. The Lord is with me. I will see you in a few hours, right? I don't know why I let, I let the tiredness get to me like that. It was just garbage. I complained to my wife. Thank God that she's godly. And she responded like, Amen. (laughs) How do you respond to that? Hey, we're not supposed to be complaining to each other. If you are complaining to each other, we need to stop doing those kind of things. That's not godly. No matter how excused we think by doing it. We complain, we open up our heart, we pour out our heart to the Lord, and we deal properly with with other folks. I'm not saying that you say everything's all right when it's not. You can be real with each other, but we don't need to complain. Amen? Amen? When we complain, we forget how good and how big God is. Um, Joy, can you put the slide up that has the, uh, the word shepak there? Sepak. Um, this is the word that's, that is given for pouring out. Y'all with me? Yes. Y'all got to help me out. I'm still a little jet lagged, so I, I, need you to, I need you to help me out here. Yes. So, so this is the word that we're using for pour out. And I want you to see the letters here. It's a shin. It's a pay. 
and it's a kaf. Okay? From right to left in the Hebrew letters there, it's a shin, it's a pay, and it's a kaf. I picked one of the words that we normally use for each of these to press the pay that is a mouth, but it could talk about edge or blow or scatter. Cough, it's to open, to bend, to tame, to allow. So I just chose, chose these words, and this is what I understand pouring out to be. When you pour something, this is what happens. It's pressing to the edge of who we are that opens us up to Him. When you actually pour yourself out, you know what you're trying to do? You're trying to get to the edge of who you are. How many of you need to get more to the edge of who you are? You know, the problem is, is we can put our hands up, but there's a tension that's there. You know why? Because none of us like to get to the edge. You know what happens on the edge? We get frayed. We get stretched. The word is actually, when you look at it in other definitions, it's actually reaching out as far as you can. There's this idea of getting pulled, and there's a tautness that's there. There's a tension that's there when we get to this pressing. When you have to go to the edge, right? When, I mean, when you really go to the edge, not like, I'm so tired, and you have a lot left in your tank. The problem is, is the Lord is wanting us to pour out, and the truth is, is we don't like to pour out. We like to say, hey man, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope. I've done this example before, but when you... I won't have you do it here, but ask you to raise up your hands. And I give, I give, I've done this with groups of people getting their master's degree and whatever, getting their PhDs, and I'll do a class with them. And you know what happens? I'll say, I want you to just reach as far as you can. Now, don't move yet. But when I say go, you put your hands as far as you can. Does everybody understand? Yes, we understand. All right, ready? One, two, three. Pick up your hands. And then about a half a second after they pick up their hands, I go, higher. And everybody in the room goes a little bit higher. What's wrong with you people? I told you to go as high as you can. And you said that you understood me. And what happens is, you didn't go as high as you could. You know why? Because we don't like to pour ourselves out. We like to always leave enough in reserve so that if something goes bad, that we're covered. That we'll be all right. The Lord says, pour out your lives. Pour out your hearts before Him. If you're really pouring out your hearts, man, why do you guys do, why do you go as hard as you go as a church? Why do you have stinking Bible studies every night of the week? You know why? Because we're giving you a chance to pour out. We're giving ourselves as pastors and leaders and and elders who are opening up their homes, we're giving ourselves a chance to go, what else are we going to do? What else do you want us to do besides have a Bible study? Well, I mean, mean, we're not saying you shouldn't have a Bible study, but y'all have them like all the time. Yeah. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to pour ourselves out. We're trying to get pressed to the edge so we're open to what He has for us. So we're open to His revelation. Yeah, but really, do you have to do that? Really, is the problem having too many Bible studies? Or is the problem that you don't like the fact that we're having something that you now have to either choose or run away from? What would you do if we didn't have Bible studies? You'd sit at home and do what? Watch TV, hang out, do nothing. I would have more of me. I wouldn't have to pour out as much of me as you're requiring of me as a church. Leave me alone so I can keep more of me inside of me. We're saying, hey, we love you. Uh, Could you put up uh, John 3.30 on the screen for me? (laughs) 
He must become greater and I must become less. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to let you pour yourself out so that he's greater and you're less. I can, prom- I can promise you that none of us are going to be hindered by more of him and less of us. You know what? why going on a trip is fantastic when you go on a mission field? Because you're exhausted. Because you're putting yourself out there and you're going and we go down to Mexico and we're like, yeah, let's do the hardest way possible. Rah! Yeah, that's, that's actually a good thing. Less of you, more of him. Amen. Our entire country, our entire world, and let's just forget about countries. As human beings, we don't want less of us. We want to keep as much of us as we possibly can because that makes us comfortable. And the Lord is trying to press us to the edge. He is trying to stretch us. So as you pour out, um, Joy, can you put up John five nineteen? If Jesus had to say this, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can, can do nothing by himself. Remember these weeks and months that we've been talking on dependency on the Lord? Well, guess what? We still need it. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Can you put up verse 30 in the same chapter? It says this, By myself I can do nothing. This is still Jesus Christ talking. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself. (laughs) He's being poured out. Aren't there other examples of this throughout the Scripture, how we're supposed to be poured out like a drink offering? The drink offering that's poured out the libations that are poured out on a fire, right? What's the point there? You're going to pour it out because, one, God told you to because it was valuable and you should pour it out to Him where maybe no one else understands why you're doing what you're doing. But we're pouring it out to Him because it's precious. And the truth is, the part that does fall on something that, has been, uh, that is on fire, wine, it'll, it'll, it'll burn it just a little bit. It'll burn it up and consume it and it produces just a sweet fragrance. Now, it's not enough to, to reach everyone in the, in the land. It's just enough to reach those that are close by. You know what? As we pour out our lives, you know what? Our, our hope is, is that it blesses our family. We're hoping that it blesses you as we're all putting... And if we all do this, then you know what happens when you walk into a church like this? You smell the sweet aroma of sacrifice unto the Lord. Amen. It's like the incense that you may smell in different places where they try to burn a stick of incense to emulate what we should be doing with our lives. We don't need the incense that is there. We need our lives to be consumed as we are pouring it out. Amen? Amen. Um, amen. Galatians 2.20 says this. Go ahead. You can put that up on the screen, Joyce, so we can all read it together. It says that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. That's not just a one-time thing. That's a daily thing for us. That's an ongoing thing for us, to be crucified with him so that I no longer live. It doesn't matter what I want because I have poured my life out so much. Let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. Second Kings chapter four and verse one. Are y'all with me here? Yes. 
the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all. I have poured it all out, Elijah. I mean, I really have. I've given everything to the Lord. Everything. It's all gone, Pastor. Well, except. Come on, isn't this just real life with us? I've given it all to the Lord. And then what happens? He shows you something that you haven't given to him. And you're like, I got to give that too? But I gave that, but now I got to give this? Yes. Yes, you do. This is not, these aren't one-time things that we're supposed to do. You guys know this. Our church is built on a whole lifestyle of this. You know why? Because we still got us that's involved in there. And we've still got to lessen us so that he can be increased in us. Except, I don't have anything except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. You guys know the story. They went out and collected everything they could from one jar of oil. She kept pouring until what happened? Till there's, till there's no more emptiness. Till all the emptiness was gone. When the vessels ran out, you just keep putting them in front. The kids were like, okay. Whatever size the vessel, whatever shape, whatever look, whatever color, Whatever material that it was made of, it didn't matter. She just kept pouring oil. Small vessel, great. Large vessel, fantastic. Doesn't matter. Keep going until what? Until there, no, there was no more vessels left. There's no more emptiness left. And then what happens? The oil stops. I can assure you the same thing as goes on in our life. When there's no more emptiness left in you, when you're so busy with your life that you don't have enough emptiness that's there for the Lord to actually fill, I can assure you, you'll stop feeling His anointing in your life. The problem is that sometimes we want to add, we want to keep adding to our life. Right? We want to add things to our life. We want to add understanding. We want to add things to our life. And so we feel very, very bound to, to things. We feel bound to have it, well, I've got to do this. And since I've got to do this, this, and this, then I have to add a Bible study in. How about you empty yourself of some of the things that we're holding on to? I mean, I mean, I would do more, but 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 I, we just we have. I mean, we gotta we gotta we gotta take care of the kids, right? I mean, we gotta put the kids down at a certain time. Really? Okay. How about you empty yourself more and more? There are things that I need to empty myself of. I'm asking. I can't just preach this kind of message and not do the same thing that I'm preaching to you. Lord, you've got to empty me. There are things that I want to hold on to. There, there are things that I, I, that I want and that I like and I just... And maybe nobody else knows them. Maybe nobody else sees them. But you do, Lord. Have you made commitments that you've made and you didn't really ask the Lord? Or that commitment is done and you need to sit, stop doing something so that you can have more time? You can pour yourself out of that so that He can fill you with His Spirit more? I know in my heart that what I just said is right. I know it. I can feel it in the room. There are some of us who have made commitments and we're holding on because, praise God, we made the commitment. 
The reason I started off with the service today with Luke 22 was that there were times when they were not supposed to take anything, and that's what our men have done going to Turkey. It's a man of peace trip, and they said, this is what the word says. But you know what they're not saying? That you're wrong if you've ever taken an extra change of clothes with you on a mission trip. That's not what their heart is. I've heard, we talked about it on the way to the airport last night. They're like, Pastor, we feel that this is exactly what the Lord is saying right now. Amen. Amen. Then you do that and we back you up completely. There's a, they, were, they were unpacking suitcase. They were unpacking backpacks before they got on the plane. Well, don't need that. Looks like I'm ready for the mission trip. Amen. What do you need to unpack from your life right now? Come on. Have you ever been on a mission? Have you ever been on a trip and somebody just packed way too much? Never. If you have little kids. Okay, I have to, I have to share this about, about... It's okay. She looked at me like... Oh. We went to the beach one time. My wife is, uh, is a beach lover. If, if I found out like, half, like 10 years into our marriage that we had gone on several trips and I heard her talking to a friend said, oh, we haven't been on a vacation in like three years. And I was like, what are you talking about? We just went to Chicago. We just went, did this. We just went, did that. She's like, no, 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 no. Those are trips. What's the difference between a trip and a vacation? We left. We got away. I had to spend money. That counts. Amen. And she's like, no, I'm very appreciative. I'm so thankful, dear husband. It's just we didn't go to the beach. I was like, <sighs> that's how things happen in my house. Just a little, just, just to be honest with you. So we went to the beach one time and her parents came and joined us. I don't remember why. It was just one of these trips. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing that I've ever seen. If you guys know her dad, Bob is an incredible man. Everybody loves Bob. It's hard not to love Bob. When he comes and visits, if you don't know him, get to know him. He's fantastic. And he <laughs> we were on this vacation. And they had come, um, and they were going to stay for like two days. And he got one of those luggage racks that you have in a hotel. And it was filled to the top because I mean you know you had to have the ice chest because when you go out on the beach you want the ice chest for the drinks then you gotta have the pop-up tent because you know I mean sun's out so you gotta have the pop-up tent and then you have like the actual and then the generator for the and then the you know structure the scaffolding and you know we're like pop what are you doing <laughs> and by the time he got to us he was almost cussing mad you know what I'm talking about like, sounds like, you know, the Yosemite Sam, trying to bring that thing in, and stuff was falling off, and he's trying to drag it all out to the beach, and we're like, this is, this is a comedy of errors. I was like, look, swimming trunks, towel, let's go. You know, like, let's simplify this. Hey, I'm telling you, by the, by the power of God, some of you just need to lighten up what you've packed. You need to unpack some stuff. You need to quit binding yourself to commitments that you've made that God never asked you to do, that you put on yourself, and now you're acting like that 
in, in your mind and in my mind, they're equal with what God is telling us now. And we're having conflict. Why? Because God never told it to you. You're like, but how do I do this and that? Well, pour it out. Unpack that thing. What is it going to hurt you if you unpack in faith saying, God, I'm really trying to do exactly what you're telling me to do. This seems to be a conflict. This seems to be keeping from your, me from your house. I, I don't go to the Browns on Friday nights when they have it. I don't, I don't make it every Monday night because we have foundation. I don't really come as much as I should. But, you know, I mean, I've got these reasons. You think that God's going to punish you if you unpack something? He can always add it back. If you did it and you were just way wrong, just add it back. How difficult is that? But we don't want to pour things out. We want to keep it. What if I need this? What if I need 17 changes of shorts for a 10-day trip? I mean, I might need it. You never know. No, I know. I'm a guy. I promise. We traveled for three days to get there. Same stuff. <laughs> this is it. We don't need nearly as much as what we think. We need to pour things out. You need to unpack things. You need to figure out today what you need to unpack. Amen? Amen. We've got to unpack. We've got to let that oil flow. In Ezekiel 39, the Lord promises to pour out His Spirit. When we pour out, He promises to pour in. Pour out. Pour out more. You think you've poured out enough? You think you've poured out all you have? Pour out more. You know why? Because I want the space for Him to pour into your life. Pour out more. Your thoughts, your apprehensions. Some of us are in the room and we haven't really even gone all the way with what we do here in this church. <laughs> I've got family members who talked to my wife while I was in Indonesia. And they were like, man, that's an incredible church, but and they're, they're, a little bit, they're a little bit out there. They're a little bit extreme. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to use the, the C word. I'm not going to call him a cult. I'm like, hey, let's, you like the results, but you don't like the way that we get there. You want the power of God. You want to come up in here and get somebody to lay hands on you when you're sick and you get healed right on the spot. Come on now. You got that crazy person at work that you know that all you had to do is if you get them here, that, will, that somebody else will take care of them for you? No. I'm just saying. For Richard, we know it's Bosch. It's all right. We know. I got you. You got that guy, you got that married couple that if they could only hear the marriage teaching we have here, they would get fixed. I think that all the time. I'm like, man, if they would just come to this church, we'd set you straight. Yeah, we want the benefits of it, but we don't want to be the ones paying the price. We like the fact that someone else is paying the price, and now we've got enough people, there's enough momentum, there's enough of an Acts church that's happening that we can kind of ride on what's going on. What happens when we've got people sent all over the world? Who's going to do that now? Oh, I will. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. No doubt. That's my job. I love it. Honored to do it. How about you join me? When we send the Brassos out to Peru, when they are living in Peru, that'll be sooner than later, folks. I'm not 
setting a date for them, that'll be sooner than later. They're going to leave. There's going to be a, a brasso-sized hole in our church that, that we need to fill. When the Aragines are gone in Turkey, sooner than later. When the young Stevens follow, when the Treasters are going to go wherever they go, at least to Israel for this trip. If, what happens when we start sending people? We are in a season that we're about to start sending people. How about you not wait till everybody's gone till you pour out? How about you do it now? Because this church is going to keep rocking right along. We're, we're just starting to figure some things out as a church. We're going to get it. We're going to keep getting it. Because you know what I know is not going to happen? This church can't dry up because too many ministries in the world are counting on us. There's too many things that we're connected to. Joel 2.28 says he's going to pour out his spirit in the last days. Zechariah 12.10 says that he's going to pour out a spirit of grace and supplication upon us. Come on, y'all need the Lord to pour out some things to you? Turn to Psalm chapter 62. Psalm 62. Y'all still with me? Y'all still love me? Man, I missed you guys. It's a little bit weird now that I spoke with an interpreter for so long, so many days. I'm like, I don't actually have to wait. (laughs) I can just keep talking. That's interesting. My brain's a little Twitter-pated there. Psalm chapter 62, let's start in verse 5. You there? Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Wow, we can just camp there for a while, can't we? Find rest. Uh Uh-huh. O my soul, in God alone. Um, typically I'm a person who can fall asleep before my head actually hits the pillow. I'm like, (laughs) gone. Bam. That is my typical MO. You know why? Because my soul finds rest. I just be like, done. Done for the day. I know some of you guys are the, it takes a while for your brain to wind down. I get that. I understand that it's how people are made. I just feel really sorry for you. That's all. Because this is really cool. I'm telling you. Done. Click. It's awesome. Find rest. Oh, my soul and God alone. My hope comes from Him. You know what happens when we start talking about pouring things out? You know what words come about? Hope. It's almost in every passage... If you're going to talk about something about pouring out, you're going to find hope. You're going to find God as your refuge. You're going to find a lot of other things that are associated when we pour our lives out. My hope comes from Him. Verse 6, He alone is my rock and my fortress uh, and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. Does your salvation and your honor depend on God? I know that word for honor there is the kavod. My salvation and my glory depend on God. Or do they depend on you? He is my mighty rock, my refuge. There it is again, refuge. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. What an incredible scripture. Trust in Him at all times. Everybody say all times. 
You know what all times means? All times. In everything. The things that you like, the things that you don't like, the things that you can see a solution for, the things that you can't see a solution for. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him. There's an inextricable link between trusting in Him and pouring out your heart to Him. Maybe the problem is is we don't pour out because we don't trust. Oh, we say we trust. (laughs) You know, good old trust fall when you're a kid. Come on, we'll catch you. Yeah, I've seen some of you people. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I like that game. My brother, when he was a senior in high school, they, they did a game. My brother is a big dude. He's a big dude. Me, I'm a small dude compared to my brother. Okay? He's a big dude. They did one of those, oh, we'll do this, we'll trust fall. Trust fall is not always a good game to play. I'm just saying. <laughs> trust in him at all times. The word there for trust is the Hebrew 9.8.2. I think we have a slide so we can see that. Batach means to trust or you put your confidence in or to be bold. To trust in, to put your confidence in, or to be bold. Let's just do a couple of quick scriptures on trust. Can you put up Psalm 25? Verse 2 and 3. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. Do you believe the scripture or not? No one whose hope is actually in the Lord will ever be put to shame. I can remember being a kid and being so embarrassed by something that I did, I, I, re- I still can remember, because that would bother me a lot when I was younger. Like I was such a nerd and such a... Ah, I was so afraid of most things that went on that I can remember feeling ashamed of who I was. I can remember, I just, I wanted to crawl under a rock. I just wanted to vanish somewhere. Can I encourage you today? That if you actually put your hope in the Lord, you will never be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Oh, there's shame. We're not saying that there's not shame in the world. We're just saying that you won't have to deal with it if you put your hope fully in Him. You know what I know is going to happen for those guys who said, no extra clothes, no extra money, put away the plastic. How much do we need to get into the country? That's all we're bringing. We got to get in. And we'll let the Lord deal with the rest of it. You know what I know is going to happen? I know that they won't be put to shame. They're doing a big step of faith, a big step. They're pouring themselves out so that the Lord can pour in. I expect that there'll be miracles that happen. I expect them to find the man of peace. I expect people to get... I mean, I expect everything that the Word says is going to happen to happen to them. Can you put Isaiah uh, 26, 3 on the screen, please? Bible says this, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he betachs in you. He trusts in you. He puts his confidence and his boldness in you. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 5. This is what the Lord says, cursed is the one who trusts in man. 
Everybody say cursed. cursed. Wow. Do you realize that's any man, right? If you trust in another man, you're cursed. If you trust in yourself, you're still cursed. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. You know what happens is when you start turning to yourself, you naturally turn away from the Lord. Next verse. He would be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Yikes. Okay, let's go to the next verse and find out the right way to do it. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. Come on, guys. You got got confidence in the Lord? How's your confidence doing? Come on, we're going to pour out ourselves. Why? So that He can pour back into us. Now, as we, as we get ready to wrap this up today, I want to talk through the other part of this Batak word, which is to be bold. I'll just, I'll rattle through some of these, so stay with me and you can take notes on them. In Genesis 18, Abraham was bold to ask for mercy for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, Lord who am I? But I will ask this boldly of you. If there are 50 people here, will you, will you stay your, your, your sentence? Will, will you give them mercy, Lord, if there's 50? Yes, if there's 50. Uh, pardon me, Lord, but may I ask you again? I need to ask you something else boldly. Would, would you do it if there was 40? Yes, okay, if there's 40. Yes, Lord, again, I come to you boldly. How about 30? There's a boldness, when we can, there's a boldness that we're supposed to have when we're asking for mercy for other people. You can come boldly and ask for mercy. In Exodus 14 and verse 8, it says that Israel boldly marched out of Egypt. They boldly, uh, you can put that one on the screen. Exodus 14, 8. It says, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that, they were, that, they, that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. I'm sure they were. We got all the gold from Egypt. We're walking out. We've seen that the Lord devastated them with ten plagues. Man, we can boldly walk out. You know what happens? Is when you're leaving worldly ways, you should be bold in your walk. You should boldly leave worldly things. You should boldly ask for mercy for those who are in who are destined for hell around you. In Proverbs one thirty eight verse three, if you'll put this one on the screen. Pro- uh, I'm sorry, Psalm. 138, verse 3. Yeah, there's not that many proverb chapters. 128, 138. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. You know when else you can be bold? When you pray. You're supposed to be bold because you know that when you pray, He will answer you. He will make you bold and stout-hearted. Yeah. In Proverbs 28 and verse 1. It says that the wicked flee, though no one pursue them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know why some of us aren't bold like lions? Because you're not walking in righteousness. But you know what happens when you walk in righteousness? That's why purity is such an important thing. That's why walking rightly before the Lord is so important. You know why? Because you can be a lion. Come on, this is the kind of church that raises lions. 
I don't care what your natural personality is like. I don't care if you're affable. I don't care if you're, you're nice and easy going. You know what you're going to be when you stick around this place long enough? You're going to be a lion in the ways that it counts. You're going to be righteous and you can go, look, I'm not afraid of anybody. You just walk right up to him and you be bold about what you're doing. One of the things I love about Treaster, this dude is a lion. I mean, forget his mane. Right? I mean, he's got the mane. I mean, that helps. Treaster's a lion. Do you agree? Goodness gracious. Have you heard this guy preach? Have you heard him evangelize? You heard him get kicked out of his apartment complex because he's too godly? I love him! The Smeester's house. It was Abbott Bolshevall. <laughs> speaking of lions, that lion's in Malaysia. By the way, speaking about that, that lion gets off the plane in Malaysia, has interaction with the taxi cab driver, and goes on some 24-hour adventure. For real. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go to the hospital with the taxi cab driver whose brother was in a car wreck. Oh, amen, brother, we're praying for you. Four hours later, he's like, yeah, so we're just now picking me up. Okay, great. Okay, so we've traveled for three and a half hours and we've started, stopped at a place that's kind of like Bucky's. I'm like, what? Three and a half hours? Where are you going? Oh my gosh, is there only one hospital in Malaysia? What's going on? Still traveling, pastor. Like, <laughs> Bim, what's going on? I met their family. We had lunch and breakfast. And it, I was like, oh my gosh. brother had a, I mean, it had to have been close to a 24-hour adventure. By the time he left and by the time he got back to his place, I'm like, come on, man. He's in a different country. The first guy he meets is his taxi cab driver and starts evangelizing him. And they, they have an ongoing relationship. They've actually seen each other since then. Come on, that's like a lion now. Hey, don't y'all want to be lions? Yes. Our lionesses. Right? <laughs> come on, that's in case you couldn't hear that on the tape there was a round that just this is what happens when I get jet lag it's alright come on hey I want to be a lion in the kingdom I want to be like in the book of Daniel when the three Hebrew children said look we're going to stand here We're going to do what's right. The whole nation can bow down. We're not bowing down. I know our God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to you. Amen. 72.92, right there. Losing control here. It's all right. In the book of Luke, you can also get to the point where you see that if you have someone and you, you have a need and you go knock on their door, and you needed some food, it says that you don't, they're not going to give it to you because you were their friend, but because you were bold enough to continue to ask. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 3. As we get ready to close. Starting in verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Everybody say very bold. Very bold. 
We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Do you know why you need to be bold? Because there has to be a veil that's removed from people's eyes. There has to be a veil that's removed from their hearts. Your default must be that the people around you stand condemned already. That has to be the default of an actual lion in the kingdom. The person that I'm talking to at the store, I like them. They're kind. They're sweet. And they are standing condemned before the God of all creation. Well, pastor, that's so negative. No, I would rather start there and see and have them prove me wrong that they are a fellow believer than to not do that and miss an opportunity to be very bold in their presence. That's not being negative. That's setting the actual proper perspective in your heart so that you move in the right direction. When your default is set wrongly, when you haven't poured out enough of your heart, you know what you do? You miss opportunity after opportunity after chance after chance because you just go by and you're like, oh no, those were nice people. Yeah, the the UPS guy, super cool. The guy in line at at Starbucks (laughs) had a great conversation. Fantastic. What are you doing though? That's not building the kingdom. You're having conversations. You're talking sports. You're talking you like their car or their shoes or their sunglasses. What is that doing? Therefore, since we have this hope, we are very bold. Why? So we can get at what their heart is. You listen to it and you don't go, oh, yeah, oh, maybe they had a bad day. No, maybe they're, they're engulfed in sin and they need you to liberate them. How about you go be a lion? Amen. You know what a lion does? He looks at everybody and he's like, you might be prey. <laughs> I pray that you're not prey, right? Be a lion. Go in a room and go, Lord, who is it that, you want to, that, that needs to be liberated right now from their life of sin? Lord, who needs to be changed because I am in the room and you are with me? Therefore, since I have this hope, I can be very bold. What if I don't know what to say? How about, <clears throat> how about you, get your, you get your roar on? Yeah, not raw. That's not a roar. Don't, don't make me make all of y'all do a roar right here. Because I, I will stop this whole service. Hey, you need to get your roar on. You need to pour yourself out so you're not so worried about what you think and what, I wonder if I don't have the right things to say. Well, grow up. Who has the right things to say all the time? Well, what if I go and I try and God doesn't give me a word? Well, how about you go and study before you get there? Fine. You don't get it. It's not going to come to you naturally. Fine. Well, go study and give them a scripture. Did, did I just demystify that for some of you? Before I left the Vincent's home, I gave every person in the household a scripture, at least one scripture, including Geary and others, the entire household. You know how I did that? I went and read the Bible. Oh, God, you got to give me something. Lord, I want something for every one of them. Lord, I want a scripture for Lily. I want a scripture for Luke. Lord, I want a passage for, for Brent. And you know what happened? I just read until I found something. I felt like the Lord spoke and directed me in certain things. But that's, let's, let's demystify this. Why? Because if you're still worried about your failure, you've got to pour yourself out more. If you're still worried about how you look, 
instead of worried about what somebody could be doing to get blessed by a word that you give them? If you give someone a scripture that you've actually sincerely thought about and give it to them, what's the worst that's going to happen? You've given them the word. Praise God. I'll, I'll save that till later. That's the worst that's going to happen. Man, thank you. Thank you, Curtis. Brought me a scripture. Thank you, brother. I'm not going to refuse it. But what if it gives them life? What if, it, what if it blesses their soul? What if it speaks to them about the problem and the question that they had today and you help them? That's pretty cool. Let's be bold. Let's turn to Acts chapter 4 as we close. Acts chapter 4. Are y'all with me? God, I love this church. God, I love you guys. I want us to be bold, man. I want us to pour everything out so that he will fill us with his boldness. I want us to unpack all the junk that we take with us. I started making this rule when I, when I was a teacher. We'd, I'd take kids on trips because I was the band director. And I was like, here's a rule. If you pack it, you have to carry it. All these little girls who would bring 727-pound bags. It's like, I love you. And, and I, teach our, I taught our young men in the band program. I was like, you don't let girls carry heavy things. And we were chivalrous, except when we got on a trip. I was like, you have to carry it up your room, up to your room. You have to carry it wherever we're going because this is ridiculous. I was trying to get them not pack like they were moving somewhere. Some of us pack like we're moving when we're just going to the grocery store. <laughs> we're just moving from A to B. And we've got the whole, I know it's difficult when you've got kids, right? You've got the strollers and the pack and plays. And yeah, let's, some of us are still packing that way and our kids are 17. <laughs> They'll be okay without the stroller. It's all right. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. I, this may be one of my favorite chapters in the book of Acts. It's hard to say that. I'll say that today, and I'll, I'll pick a different one on Wednesday or whatever. In verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. If there's no other name under heaven given to men by which they can be saved. Incredible verse, right? Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. Love it. Amen to that. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When was the last time that you asked for a miracle to happen in your life? When was the last time that you laid hands on somebody and were like, yeah, they need a miracle right now? When were you bold enough to actually pour out yourself in a way that went, yeah, if this doesn't, if, Lord, if you don't do something, this ain't going to happen? Pardon my common vernacular. Lord, would you attest, stretch out, pour out your presence, Lord, to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, everybody say after. after. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Are you ready to have your life and your world shaken by the presence of God? 
And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You know what happens if you're really filled with the Holy Spirit? You're bold. Come on, would you guys stand with me today?